that you can't spend the night? Not all night. You should be back by six to be safe. Jesus. I'll just that out when you guys want to sleep. Try that. It's called copper fever. It's too orange. For you. I have I have a sore throat. So. <laughs> She's getting over her sickness, so we're a little late recording. I have the black lung. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, so we um I'm I'm drinking something that you made for me. Uh, you're not drinking because you are getting over sickness. I am. I'm actually drinking this. We're not sponsored, but I'm drinking a liquid death, which is just a sparkling water with a little lime flavor, but it's. It's got cool packaging. I'm a sucker for, <laughs> for packaging. I do that too. But yeah, so um, with every book, Noelle comes up with a recipe inspired by the book. And so this time the book is Bones and All. By Camille DeAngelis. And so you made a Bloody Marin. Yes. And for anyone who's listening who's read the book or seen the movie, Marin is our protagonist. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't resist... Her name being so close to Mary to not put her. Yeah. Yeah. You know I think it was very clever. I never would have thought of it. I was, I was really scared at what you were going to come up with considering the, the subject matter in the book. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh no, what is she going to make me eat? But no, this is good. I love Bloody Marys and I will drink alone. <laughs> <laughs> I thought about putting um, a, oh, what's the, an eardrum in there for you because of that very first scene but I was like how am I gonna get an eardrum (laughs) at this short notice right you need at least you know two weeks to get that Mm -hmm. uh but yeah so the author you want to talk about her a little bit first yeah so um I watched she's got a YouTube channel and so I watched a few of her videos and she is a writer she does nonfiction and fiction but what I thought was really interesting about her is she's vegan Considering the book, um, that was surprising. But then when I watched her videos, it wasn't as surprising. So she was a vegetarian first, then she became a vegan. And then she's actually now like a certified vegan lifestyle coach and like educator. So it's like a big part of her life. And I think she said when she first wrote this book was when she had like first become vegan. And so she has this idea of um, if, you know you go off of animal products. She's like, at first you see, you know, oh, that's like just a steak. But then eventually after a while, when you get used to not eating it, then you see like what it is that you're eating, like not just a steak. And so she's really passionate about that. And I thought that was really interesting considering the book. (laughs) Well, and it's interesting because there's a lot of vegan artists, um, including writers, film directors, what have you, painters, um, and they are very political about their veganism and their works are usually really dark Mm -hmm. and really violent because they're pointing out the sort of violence in eating something with a face, with a name. And, um, And so when I 
found out that she was not only a vegan, but like all about it, like right. borderline militant. I was like, ah, that checks out. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, see, I see at first it. I was like, I I don't get it, but then I thought about it, and I was like, okay, I can I can see because she's there's like spoiler right um like cannibalism in the book which to me it wasn't even cannibalism it was borderline like sci-fi because their ability in which they performed the cannibalism right. the like, rapid eating right and so like i didn't even like think of it in that way and so i was like well if she sees eating animals as eating like beings that deserve the same amount of respect as a human then she would see eating a human the same as eating an animal. So then it it did make sense. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting um, when we look at, well, obviously they just turned this into a movie Mm -hmm. this year, even though the book was written in 2016. Um, There has been this sort of slow but steady interest in cannibalism in film and TV shows. So you had that TV show Yellow Jackets, and Army you, Hammer, yeah, the whole Army <laughs> Hammer thing. People um, did not like. Not a his fan. Cannibalism, right? <laughs> um, but I think that there's there is like this kind of um, attraction because it's just it's big. It's kind of like the f- number one faux pas that you can think of, or like uh, taboo. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's why, like, Marina Abramovich, the artist, mm-hmm. most of her pieces of artwork, or she even does this thing called, um, like, spirit eating, where she does this interactive art performance where you're literally eating body parts, mm. that, but they're made out of food, but it's so that you can almost... Oh, it's like other... Other food made to look made like to look human like yeah, so okay. it looks like you've got someone's head on a plate and you're it's like a cake yeah, but she'll do this at like corporate events or she mm. does this for like celebrities and yeah. it's it's like a service she provides to let people exercise that desire for cannibalism Ooh. or maybe I don't know yeah, but just, I'm like culturally this lines up with <laughs> with the interests. Right, that's scary. <laughs> right? Um, so Bones and All won an Alex Award in 2016. I don't I don't know what that award is, but I saw it. Yeah, I, I don't know either. And she actually, I thought it was um, funny because this, I would say, is probably her biggest, most popular book because it did get turned into a film. Mm-hmm. But this isn't the type of stuff she writes. And she said she probably would never do a sequel. Right. She said she writes normally like cozy fantasy romance. Yeah, well, and <laughs> she makes she makes her money off of travel writing. Yeah, so, which I could get that with this. You know, like they oh, yeah. travel a lot in it. It is you, a road trip book, right? Like yeah. I was trying to explain that to someone. And I was like, essentially, it's a road trip book. It's a coming of age <laughs> road trip book. Yeah. About a cannibal child. <laughs> yeah. The, a very, very, you'll, you'll give like kind of a longer synopsis, but a very short one was the storyline deals with issue, issues such as feminism, loneliness, and self-loathing, and the moral problem of flesh eating. Hmm. I don't know that I got the feminism out of it. <laughs> well, maybe because we've got this young protagonist who should be kind of helpless and scared of the world, but she's really not. She's really good at making her way through the world. She's scared of herself. She's scared of being a monster. 
mm-hmm. but she's super self-sufficient. Um, well, she ends up that way. Yeah. Yeah, um, you're right, because she's been sheltered at the beginning. She kind of... Well, even just, she gets a lot of help that's in true. the beginning. Like, she is, she's not, like, totally struggling. That's true. You're right. But what what's the uh, longer... See, and, and if you like to do like I do, I don't like to read the backs of the books or what it's about before I read. And then I'm totally surprised. Noelle likes to give me spoilers, though. Um, <laughs> yeah, I read everything usually before yeah. I go into it, like, prepared. Yeah, I had not. And so I read the first page of this. I had no idea what it was about. I read the very first page. And I was like, what is happening? Why would she see this movie twice? Well, I was like, <laughs> it was so intriguing. It was like one of the best openings ever. Really good. And so so if you don't want to know exactly what it's about beforehand, maybe don't listen to the summary here. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, if you don't mind going in with some <laughs> some information... I would summarize this as a story about a girl who believes she's the only person in the world who's born to crave human flesh. And she is raised by a single mother who is constantly having to pick their lives up and start over because the daughter... she keeps eating people. Yeah, she keeps eating people. And I would say it's not like that regularly. It's like once a year. Yeah. And... um. And yeah, and it seems that she really isn't in control of it. And it also seems that for Marin, it is always associated with intimacy. Yeah. So when she turns 16, her mother basically bounces and is like, you're on your own. I can't do this anymore. You can take care of yourself now. And she's dealing with abandonment, but also like... She ends up finding out very quickly that she's not the only person with this. Right. And quote, all unquote, of curse. that could have been an entire book, but that was like the first two chapters. Right. And then it's what happens from there because now she's on her own mm-hmm. and um, she's searching for her father who she never knew. And it's like, what goes on with that? And yeah. a road trip and surviving. And then also just surviving being a teenager and you don't have a job and you have very little money and you're trying to travel and you don't have a phone and all of that along with it. Yeah. I do love, I have a soft spot for books that, um, you know that someone's got limited money on them and they're constantly trying to be like, okay, I have enough for this sandwich. Okay. I have enough for this bus ticket. And it always reminds me of George Orwell's keep the flag of the Aspidistra flying one of my favorite books. I have not read that, and I like him. It's really good, but it is about this man living in poverty, and literally he's constantly in his mind like, okay, well, if I have five pounds, then that means I can have this, I can have one beer and maybe then ask for free toast. And, like, he's trying to squeeze this money to, like, last however long. It's like economic Tetris. Yeah, <laughs> but and it's relatable because mm-hmm. think about how many times yep. in your life, and I don't want to talk about how recent for me, <laughs> where I'm like standing in line with groceries and I'm on my phone looking at my balance and doing the math. I'm like, okay, I'll have 13 cents left over, yeah. but then th- we'll be good for the week. Or taking your calculator with you to the grocery store. Like, Well, I say calculator because this is like when I was little. And we didn't have phones with calculators. And so with my mom, single mom also, like in the book, so you're adding up every price as you go to make sure 
like you have enough to actually buy them and you're not up there like, okay, put that back, put that back. Right. Which I've done. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. So I found this really interesting article in Salon magazine from December, just this past December. Um, And they basically make the argument that um, this book is the ultimate case for veganism. I disagree with that statement, but here's essentially what they believe the book was asking. If we're so repulsed by humans eating their own flesh, why can't we extend that revulsion to eating the flesh of all sentient beings? And for me, I think there are things that we're overlooking in the book. Maybe we'll leave the movie out of it until later. But in And the- I haven't seen the movie yet. Okay. So in the book, there's very clearly um, those who have to eat human flesh, like it's a birth curse or a bloodline, a like genetic. Like a compulsion. Yeah. And then there are those who can choose to do it. And I think eating meat is one of those things where being a vegan is a choice. Eating meat if we look far enough back in human history, humans have always done it. So I think right now a lot of people, veganism rises out of factory farming and just like really terrible animal raising and Mm -hmm. slaughtering practices. But if you went back to like our ancient um, Ancestors. ancestors, no one was like, you know, I don't think it's very humane to eat uh, beef because they were just trying to eat whatever. Survive. They yeah. yeah. Um, if you said to like a Native American, like, yo, but buffaloes have a face. They're <laughs> sentient beings. They'd be like, screw you. Well, and I mean, <laughs> even like the Native Americans, though, they they did appreciate the animal oh, yeah. and they used every part right. and they were thankful for the animal and they, it was just a cycle of life. And it's like, right. I need to stay alive to do this. And then you also provide me with furs and skins and you know they I don't know what all they how they used everything but yeah. it, it was the mindset I think getting in the overconsumeration if that's a word mindset and how overconsumption over well but consumerism oh okay you know but yeah. doing it with our food yep. instead of being like well I could grow that myself like right. so like for instance in my household my husband and my son hunt so right now all the meat in our freezer they went out they hunted they processed it didn't go to a butcher like they did all of it and so it's clean it's you know and it's also wildlife management so people I at first was grossed out by the thought when my husband we got first got married and he like killed a deer and wanted me to eat it I was like deer are pretty that is disgusting (laughs) but then I started looking at okay it's had you know a life that's great. It hasn't been kept in a small little facility raised just for this purpose. It hasn't been pumped full of things. Then I can start seeing like the benefits of doing it that way. And then our eggs come from my neighbor. He has chickens and you know, they have plenty of space. And so a lot of our stuff is pretty natural. Um, dairy. No, I don't like have a cow I milk or anything like that. I don't make cheese and butter. But I I I can see being grossed out by the mass production of stuff and totally. you kind of have to put this veil on where you consume things not just 
physically, like as in food, but all the things we consume, we don't know where they came from or how they were made. Totally. Like if you watch documentaries on how your cell phone is made, like I will not buy new phones now unless I absolutely have to. Is because three-year-olds in Taiwan are making them? <laughs> well, it's young women, and they go blind. Oh. And, but they're the only income for their households. It's like and the modern um, radioactive women. Do you remember? Yes. Um, the radon girls. Yeah, yeah, radium. Yeah. And so it's just, I think, it, I think in that aspect, I can see where she's coming from. Me personally, because my family does hunt, <laughs> it would be nearly like impossible to practice that kind of lifestyle because if I did become against it, I'm cooking the food. Like it would be very difficult yeah. to go there. But I can see where some people get upset by modern practices. Totally. I guess for me, I just I can't agree with Kai Woods, the author of this Salon article. Because I think if this book really did make the ultimate case for veganism, then Marin wouldn't be our, like, feminist hero, right? Because she, she embraces it even to the point of, like, the one person she loved. Spoiler! <laughs> oh, shit! <laughs> we can cut that out. Cut it out. Um, yeah, and... I don't, I mean, I can see because it, I guess because it kind of like ruins her life and it's this bad thing, but it also, that doesn't match up because it's like going to the grocery store and buying a chicken breast isn't going to ruin your life. It's not right. going to make everybody look down on you. So yeah, I don't, I wouldn't say it's like the ultimate case, but I could see how it would be maybe pro-cannibalism. <laughs> right, yeah, right. No, it totally made me want to be a cannibal. No, yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, so I was thinking about, so I read that that article, and then I was kind of like, I mean, it was really good clickbait. Yeah. So I get it. Um, but then I was like thinking about, like, what are the deepest themes in this book? And I think what the veganism discussion really breaks down to is it's nature versus nurture nurture or nature versus like compulsion I would say compulsion is nature oh yeah I guess you're right maybe I was like more a, of a... nature versus societal acceptance okay yeah yeah and I thought it kind of also like you could throw addiction in there it's like if someone's addicted to something and they have that compulsion to do it yeah even though they know they shouldn't do it they know all the bad consequences they just it's chemical can't not do it right it's it's an addiction it's their body making them yeah. body against mind kind yeah. of thing yeah I mean and it, think about it if you absolutely would be in terrible pain and just suffering because you didn't eat beef what would be your reason not to <laughs> no if it was a human right. being it's, it gets a little bit more difficult but yeah yeah so probably spoilers from here on out yeah because I think uh, it's like we can there's already say so some much. spoilers yeah we'll probably have cut them out maybe maybe um okay so I did like the book I really liked the opening yeah um I thought she did a really good job of describing things that were really gross but like in a very easy way like they weren't like yeah. over described and you totally got it there were some things that didn't um I don't know if it was maybe the editor's fault there were things that didn't make sense 
like suddenly they would be doing something and it didn't explain like how they got there to that point. Like there were some weird things like that. Um, and then, and then things I was like, what? Like I kind of questioned. So like whenever she meets, uh, Sully and he's cooking and he's got the blood on his hands and she's so grossed out by that. Like, why on earth would she be grossed out by blood? Yeah. No, I think Marin is full of contradictions. contradictions. Yeah. And that, that, I love a good, unlikable protagonist. That's one of my favorite things when people can do that mm-hmm. properly. And yes. I kind of hated her the whole yeah. time. Yeah. Well, she's a really bad person. Well, she, and but she's judgy. Like she's her. so judgy. Well, I mean, she's also a murderer. <laughs> yeah, that didn't bother me. It bothered me that she was like so judgy towards Lee. Yeah. And then Lee was like, bro, we're on the same team. And she's like, no, it's different for me. It's like, no, it's not. Yeah, I just, yeah, when you can write the person that would normally be the villain, be the person everyone's running from, and they're the one you're rooting for. Right. I mean, and not just Marin, but also Lee. Like, I loved Lee. You're rooting for him too, and you're rooting for them together. Yeah. But they're really bad people. And he's like, it's, you know, I only, I only eat evil people. Well, the girl in the college... She wasn't evil. She just like had an attitude and was mean. I would have eaten her. I would have eaten her right up. But I was like, that wasn't like someone who's like, you know, committing, you know, genocide. You know, like, right. like that's a bad person. She was just like a bitchy college person. Yeah. And it's like, I ate her because she's bad. The world's better now. It's like, okay. like So if we want to talk about the movie just a little bit in, in when it comes to uh, their code of ethics, it's really more clearly defined in the movie. Okay. So the movie changes everything from, like, instead of her being raised by a single mom, she's raised by a single dad. Oh. There's um, stops on the road trip that are different. The whole Sully thing is totally different. The ending's different. Yeah, Their so did you prefer, is different. the ending made me so mad. Yeah. I thought it was so unnecessary. Awful. I was like, okay, I understand you want, like, a big... I threw oh. the book. I threw the book. Did you? Yeah. I was like, I understand that, like, like... Plot-wise and shock value and all of that. Endings are but hard. This but is a yeah. book about cannibals. There's so many other <laughs> ways yeah. to get shock value, you know? And they didn't really kind of cl- wrap up the story with the dad exactly. So you right. could have just done something different there. Like maybe, you know, she eats the dad to put him out of his misery. Right. But yeah, I was so mad. So the book got to that ending differently than the movie, but ultimately the same which one did you prefer? Totally the movie. Because first of all, the movie sets you up to really believe and experience like that Lee and Marin are so in love. Mm-hmm. So in love. Like throughout it? Throughout. They're in love. And there are times where they, they separate from each other because they get in an argument. And then they come back and they're like reunited and they make See, each other that, whole. You know, I like like romance in there. And yeah. that, on this one, I was like, okay, I get that. A little bit of tension of will they, won't they. But she took it the whole book. Yes. And it almost made it sound like Marin was very childlike and immature. And that if he were to like her, he would be kind of like pedo- pedophilic. Yeah, Is that yeah, a word? Yeah. <laughs> well, they make her. But she's 16. He's 19. Yeah. Literally the same age as I got with my husband. Right. Well, so in the movie, she's 18. So ah. they kind of, they avoid the 16 yeah, still, issue. 16 and 19, which... Okay, my yeah. daughter's 17. I wouldn't want her with a 19-year-old. But <laughs> a that's 19-year-old cannibal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, yeah, I was like, y'all are making her seem like she's 12. Right. Well, okay, so in the movie, too, um, Marin has female victims. 
Ah. Um, it's not intimacy bound whatsoever. Um, in the movie, yeah, they're intimate from very early on and in love. And there's a point in time in the movie where they're like, enough of this. Let's just like live a regular life and settle down. And they get an apartment and they get jobs and they're happy. And there's even a quote where like, let's just be people. Let's just be like people. Yeah. And it's this like beautiful part where you're like, oh, it's too good. They won't end it here, right? It's got to end tragically. Yeah. And the tragedy isn't Marin's fault. So you're able to leave the movie version liking her and still loving their love. At the end of the book, you don't get any of that. You're like, <laughs> fuck Marin. Yeah. Lee was great. Well, no, I was like that. But also, like, but why? And yeah, yeah and it, yeah, I, I almost felt like I don't ever want to say anything bad about a writer, but it was almost like lazy writing. It was like, I need something here. And he feels bad about who he is. And so I'm going to make him like, oh, she's doing it for him, putting him out of his misery when he never really seemed miserable. He was wanting to take care of his sister and right. he's doing all this stuff. And so like he went, oh, just, yeah, kill me. You know, like it was yeah. like he wanted her to. He was like, what? Like, where no. did that come from? Like, yeah, I don't think that. I think in a way in the book, Marin was pretty consistent, but I don't think that was consistent for Lee and what Lee would have wanted at all. No, it was weird. It's I almost think- like, it, does she, so like, like with vampires, you know, they put off this thing that attracts people to them. Mm-hmm. And because she always tends to kill people who are, you know, they invite her over to their house and they do all of this, even though she's like, you know, I was the weird kid in school and I had no friends, but always there would be like a guy who's like wanting her to come over and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like she had some kind of, you know, biological way of ma- of attracting them to her right. for that purpose. Like She's like a black food. widow. Yeah. And so I'm wondering if she got to him unintentionally. Possibly. I don't know if the author like really thought that deep into it but I think that that could have been like a whole other layer (laughs) yeah I was thinking on the if you take the cannibalism out of it Mm -hmm. um I think the story is really about a girl who is dealing with deep abandonment never feeling loved by her mother ever literally throughout the whole book being like did she ever love me and her being like no she didn't she just took care of me because she felt like she had to abandoned by her father and that built, like, this, like, total fear of intimacy. Mm-hmm. And so every person in her life in the book who ever showed any kind of kindness or intimacy, she hurt. And people do that all the time. But when you add in the cannibalism, then it becomes, like, very dark and very muddy. But it, if you, I was thinking of it like that if we're looking at it in this history of childhood trauma and abandonment, fear of intimacy... And then destroying anyone who's even remotely intimate with her. That checks out. Yeah. I just, didn't see, I didn't look at it that deeply. I was like, oh, those were good opportunities. Right. Because she was alone with them. Very easy. And as a child, you're not really alone with people very much. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, oh, that's why she did. But then once it ended up also being him and he knew if he got in the bed and laid with her, that she would eat him. Yeah. Like, he... So it really never could have worked out. 
Right, yeah. <laughs> but he had to a little... And that, that was the one thing I never... It didn't make sense to me. It's like all of, they never had a victim who got away. Right. And so they're like, oh, we go for the neck first. And it's like, well, but you never had anyone like hurt you or fight back. It's like people don't just die instantly from a neck wound, you know, like yeah. even if they start bleeding out, it takes a while. So one of my favorite parts of the movie that I hated that wasn't part of um, the book is that Lee's backstory is that he had um, a really abusive father mm-hmm. who abused him, his mother, and his sister, and he was an eater. And Lee knew because... I thought Lee- that was in the book. Well, so in the book, he eats his mom's boyfriend, and that's when his girlfriend sees him. Yeah, but I thought he, he thought that his dad... Ate what? his own father. Okay, yes. Okay, you're right. So, but in the movie, Lee eats his own father after... In the book, I think that they hint to that. Do they? I think that they don't say it, but they're like, they intentionally they don't that... say it, and they're like, something happened, We, you know, I think yeah. I know what. Okay. Well, I meant now I need to reread it. Because my <laughs> favorite part of the book was when he finally admits this to Marin. And it's like that was his emotional blockage that kept him from any kind of in- true intimacy in his life. Mm-hmm. And it's like he and Marin have this moment where they're just like admitting the worst of the worst and everything. And the thing that pissed me off in the movie but held true to Marin's character in the book is that she still withheld from Lee. Like Lee was gave her everything mm-hmm. and she was still reserved like she was that broken yeah well she thinks that she's just really bad really bad person and yeah. so when people think well in my opinion when people think that they're bad it's almost like they're protecting other people by not being as close with them yeah it's like i'm protecting you from myself which is exactly what her father did by leaving, right? right? But then, it's, did he eat his own hand? I I thought that they implied this is where I get mixed up because in the movie, the mother, her mother, she finds her in a mental ward and she has eaten her own arms off. And wait, then, who's Marin's mother? Uh huh. Is in a sanatorium. Oh, not and, the dad. Mm-mm, the dad uh. raised her. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's swapped. But the mother who's played by uh what's her face from kids? What's her name? Doesn't matter. Um Chloe Sevigny. Oh plays the mom. From Big Love, and yeah. she has eaten off both of her arms in the Ooh. sanatorium. However, I thought that the the creepy guard who brings Marin back asked if he could try and like the dad let him eat his hand. I don't know why I thought that. There was something. I forgot about the guard. Because he was, like, obsessed with them. Yes. But I thought the dad, oh, now I can't remember what happened. And, but he was like, yeah, it was my fault that he, that his hand is like that. And now I, can't, I don't remember I, why. I felt like it was because the guard was like, let me have a nibble. <laughs> but maybe I just, like, made that up. I don't know. 
even have to look now. Yeah. If anyone's listening to this, please like leave a comment. You're like yelling about how stupid we sound. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I have the book, but it would take so long to find that. And in and in Amber's defense. We were supposed to record this last week, and I got super sick, so. Yeah, I'm, like, reading the next book now, <laughs> so I'm, like, trying to remember this one. Um, yeah, my memory is is not great. But, yeah, I that made me mad, too, that the guard, that the guard died, because I'm, like, now her dad's completely alone. Yeah. I never feel bad for, like, undeveloped characters. I feel like the dad was, like, grossly underdeveloped, so I'm, like, eh. Forgot about him. I, yeah, there was a lot of things I didn't... I was like, okay, so he can't talk. And they said it was like the new meds. So did they paralyze his jaw because he ate his own hand? Like, <laughs> what is happening? And I wanted him to get back with the mom because... Oh, my God. They, well, because, like, you know, that was, like, unresolved. And she still wore her wedding ring. And yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I think the mom is, like going to start living her best life now that she's free of her child. What would you do as a parent if your child keeps eating people? I don't know. That's a good question. <laughs> what would you do? And then it's it's like, I, that was what, th- that's why I didn't get the whole cannibal thing until like I read the description about cannibals because they ate everything, the bones. And so that was more I'm sorry, sci-fi. bones and all, would yeah. you say? <laughs> That was more sci-fi to me because a yeah. human doesn't, a normal human doesn't have the ability to do that. So I thought that this was going to be some kind of new, like vampire, but not a vampire, but you know, right. like some kind of powers or something, which I guess it kind of was, but then they just keep saying they're cannibals. I'm like, mm. it's not really what a cannibal is yeah. though, Eaters. in my experience. <laughs> so in the movie they talk about, and of course this is the director's total side take, t- yeah. personal take on it, but Um, they talk about how usually they have to work up to eating bones and all. Like your first eating experience, you can't. Well, she said when she was a baby... And she ate the babysitter. Right. Which is right. There was a pile of bones. She couldn't eat the bones. Of course. I'm like, well, yeah, because she's a baby. Right. And was just gumming. Yeah, and, like, how's a baby going to attack a babysitter to the point that they eat the the whole person? I'm like, that makes no sense. Yeah. You can't, you gotta, you have to let go of logic a little bit. Yeah, totally. And, <laughs> and just embrace how great the idea of a cannibal baby is. Mm-hmm. It's like, did you ever read Wicked? No. The Broadway play. Can I just point on, out mm-hmm. that the roaring... Wind? Is the wind yes. outside. If anyone can hear that, it's that windy in New Mexico. It is 60 mile an hour wind gust. And if you look outside, it looks like it's foggy, but it is dirt in the air. It is crazy. But we can hear all of your wind chimes out on the porch. But yeah, I'm like, you can probably hear that. And like, what is that? That is that is. I love my wind. wind chimes. It's not supposed to be windy tomorrow, but holy crap, is it windy today? Yeah, it's crazy. Anyways, so, <laughs> I just want to point out that's what that sound is. Yes. Um, one thing I wanted to talk about is, like, I love a good redemption arc whenever you've got a character who makes some questionable choices. Who but, redeemed themselves? Well, that's what I was going to say is this this book didn't like have, there was zero <laughs> no. redemption. It, like, went worse. It was like she learned how to be bad better. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Which I, I do love a good antihero, but I also yeah. don't think she quite fits that no no because usually there still has to be a heroic quality 
Mm. Whereas in the movie, she was an antihero because in the end, she sort of does save. But Lee. if they're an antihero, why would there be a heroic quality? So they're like a foil to a hero. So in the way that Loki is to Thor, mm-hmm. Thor's a traditional hero, but Loki does. There's a lot that Thor would have never done because Loki has saved him. So, but he's not a traditional hero. Mm. Or I love like a, a reluctant hero. Mm-hmm. That's one of my favorites. Oh, like that movie with um, Will Smith. Starts with an H. I can't think of the name of oh, it. Oh, um, hmm. <laughs> I'm like Hamlet. That's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Horror. I can like see the Hancock. Co- Hancock. I'm like, yes. I can see the cover of yep. it, everything. Yes. But yeah. uh, like a reluctant hero. Mm-hmm. Or like the TV show Boys. The Boys. <gasps> yes. I have not watched the latest season, but that one's really oh, good. Love, love. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So I thought that that was interesting that there was really no redemption arc whatsoever, whereas that's usually like my, my favorite thing. Yeah. she. It really was kind of left open for a sequel, but she says no. I think they should have done a TV show instead of a movie. Yeah. They really could have gone some places with that but too late now um (laughs) yeah but yeah no she said no no sequel also i do have to say shout out to the casting director of the film (laughs) they did a great job like the guy they got to play sully Mm -hmm. when you see the movie you'll be like yep that's fucking sully well you know i kept imagining him as like a big guy or like david harbour but then they would Throw in the, you know, he's very frail oh, and small. Yeah. And I'm like, but for some reason in my mind. Interesting. I just kept picturing him as this big kind of burly, sweaty, dirty oh, guy. Okay, never mind. Then you won't. <laughs> but in my mind, it was. Yeah. They picked a really perfect person. Is it like Billy Bob Thornton? No, it's a nobody. I've never seen uh, him so before. I'm like, I, I could see him playing it. Yeah. Billy Bob as a villain is my favorite. Like the Fargo TV show. I haven't watched Chef's that. Chef's Kiss. I'm doing a Chef's Kiss because it's. Perfect. I'm too busy watching Emily and Paris. <laughs> <laughs> well, so let's plug our next book yes. for anyone who wants to read and then follow along. And um, when we get our Discord set up, we can do a lot of um, talking with you guys about it before and after the episode, seeing which, you know, that way we can, when there are things we're not sure about, like, <laughs> how did this guy lose his hand? Did he eat it himself? We can all, because that's, eat it? yeah, we, we want this to be a book club more than just two people talking about books mm-hmm. so that there's, well, yeah, even just talking to you about it. I remember things I had forgot. You throw out ideas that didn't occur to me. And so it is, it is nice to have conversation yeah well and you and I have both been out of college for a while now and I, I have actually only finished three years ago really yeah I went back like three different times oh okay because I well, kept stopping <laughs> speaking for myself I've been out of college for a while and I've missed because I studied English that was my, my bachelor was was in I miss book discussions yeah and this is even more fun because there's, there's no, no grade homework. yeah and it's not wrong yeah like I could, I could make some statement, and it's probably and I'm like, oh, totally unhinged. <laughs> yeah, I never thought about it like that. <laughs> but yeah, so the next book is just like home. Just like home. I do want to say I did not read the back of that book again because I like to be surprised and I like to try to figure stuff out as I'm going. Mm-hmm. And so and we I were, wrecked it. Yeah, we're talking about it, and I'm like, oh, have you got to this part because. 
I think I know what's happening, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, oh, well, such and such, this is what, and I'm like, what? <laughs> like it's on the back. I'm like, I didn't like, read the back. It's in the synopsis. Yeah. So if you want to like go for a ride, don't read what it's about because mm-hmm. it is one of those books that will have you being like, whoa, wait, like trying to figure it out because it's very mysterious. Um, but yeah, just like Home by Sarah Gailey. Nice, nice. I'm excited. <laughs> this is her newest one. Um, she's been raved about recently for just writing kind of wild thriller suspenseful horror very um descriptive and very i would say like thick language like thick prose yeah i normally will put the tv on when i read because i just don't like a quiet room and with hers like i can't do that because then i have to reread what i'm reading yeah it's not it's i like it it's not just like fast simple yeah it's pretty but it's it's also it's it's a gothic, yeah. Right, and so, so one thing to to just do a quick comparison. So in Bones and All, I think one of Camille's strength is um, olfactory descriptions. So like the way things smell mm-hmm. when um, Marin would like talk about how someone's skin and breath smells yes, before yes. eating them. I thought that was just the biggest strength. Oh, it and, gro- and it grossed me out. I'm like, that makes her want to eat that. Yeah, I love it. it especially, I like, I it sticks with me because I almost wanted to do Sloppy Joe's Ugh. because that was the last thing she could smell on the breath of that uh, kid at camp. That describing someone's breath is not. Uh, but I, I love like that it. when a book can make you feel disgusted like that. Yeah. I'm like, well done. <laughs> yeah, Salute. well done. Yeah. But no, thank yeah. you. <laughs> but now Sarah Gailey, I've noticed, and I haven't read as far as you have, but she's super visual mm-hmm. and like touch like I can feel and see the textiles yeah and the textures of things the way she described the front porch mm-hmm. the details so we'll save this for well, next in, episode in gothic but. novels a lot of them the house is like a character yeah it's scenery and she really there's always like this big old house and that is it's just like home it's yep. she's entering this house that was her home and yeah she's very descriptive yeah it reminds me of and we'll definitely have to I'm going to have to go back and reread Shirley Jackson's The Haunting of Hill House, which is one of my favorite books of all time. I did not know that was a book. What? <laughs> it has nothing to do with the TV show. Oh, really? Yeah, nothing to do with it. Ah. Yeah. Other than they arbitrarily made it so that one of the sons wrote a series called The Haunting of Hill House. But no. Hmm. Nothing to do with it. Interesting. You should you should definitely read that one. It may have to be put on our list. It's so good. It's a classic. Shirley Jackson, Queen. All right, I think that's it for. Uh, <laughs> she lost me. She's talking about things. I literally <laughs> almost just said thanks for listening to Bones and All, but uh, books and brunch. <laughs> yep. So. Bye. Yeah. See you next time. Books and brunch with Amber and Noel.